Right after Emily and I were married, we took a honeymoon trip to St. Martin. My parents are, have a, a timeshare with this timeshare company and they gave us one of their weeks to go anywhere in the world after the wedding. It was incredibly generous and quite lovely. So we chose St. Martin. And it was, it was as great as you'd imagine a week in St. Martin would be. We spent most of the time just relaxing on the beach, thankful that the stress of planning a wedding was over. But one day, we thought that we would take the car we'd rented out for a spin and go to the French side of the island to a town famous for its good restaurants. Neither Emily nor myself had a smartphone at the time. We are terrible millennials. And we rented a car not from a reputable car co rental company, but from an individual who charged us less because we paid in cash. So we didn't really have an option to get a GPS. So we traveled across the island the old-fashioned way, by paper map. Yes, a 25, I was 25 at the time, could read a paper map. There's hope for millennials. One of the fun things about traveling by paper map is that you have the freedom to kind of make up whatever route sounds best to you. Some of you can guess where this story is headed. So we started down what looked to me like the best route. To be fair, I'd never traveled these roads before. When the road went from something that looked like a road to something that looked more like a path, it narrowed and stopped being made of pavement. But it appeared well-traveled, so we pressed on. And that's when the rain began. First a few drops, then some drizzle, and before we knew it, it was downright pouring. We continued on the road for a few minutes when I looked ahead and saw that the road had transformed into a stream. And in that moment, we had two choices. Stop, somehow perform a 23-point turn, and go back to the resort, or keep plowing ahead through the water, come what may. And I was driving, so we plowed ahead. <laughs> Eventually we made it to the food town, and we parked the car and started walking around. The day was July 3rd, because we were trying to find a really nice restaurant to go to for Emily's birthday, which is July 3rd. And July 3rd, 2011, was a Sunday. I know this. Because, as we walked around this lovely, charming restaurant town, we discovered that on Sundays, on the French side of St. Martin, nothing, and I mean nothing, is open. So we returned, hungry, defeated, but with a great story, to the resort, and actually found a pretty delicious stone cooking place right there. We didn't even need to go on that adventure. Have you ever had a moment like that in a car? A moment when it was clear that you had two choices? Keep going forward, come what may, or turn around? Did you ever have a moment where you stood at a crossroads and had to make a choice? Lent is a season about moving forward. Lent is a season about going deeper. 
Lent is a season that offers us a choice. Intentionally move forward in your walk with God. Adopt a spiritual practice. Remove a temptation from your life that keeps you from God. Do something about your spiritual life. Or continue to drift. This morning we are going to examine what that choice looks like. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the 12th chapter of Genesis. Genesis begins with God creating the heavens and the earth and filling the earth with life. God creates us and places us in a garden to be stewards of the earth. We are commanded not to eat of the fruit of one tree. And you know what happens next. Once you tell a man he can't have something, that's all he wants. I'm being really mean to the guys today. Sorry, bros. We're okay. But we disobey God's command and we are cursed as a result. We are cursed to have to live outside of the garden. Genesis continues with repeated cycles of disobedience and curses. Ultimately, God resolves to end the experiment once and for all in a great flood. But God notices a righteous man named Noah... And God saves humanity through saving Noah on an ark. But then we see God's chosen righteous man, the one man God uses to start the whole thing over, resume the same cycle of disobedience. The cycle of disobedience and curses will not bring about our redemption. We are never going to learn from our mistakes and get out of this infinite loop. So God decides to flip the script. In Genesis 4, sorry, Genesis 12, 1 through 4, which is printed in your lifeline, projected on the screen right next to me. I make a lovely Vanna White. And if you would like a Bible, we have some on the circular table over there that you are more than welcome to take home with you. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now, prior to this section, the only thing we know about Abram is where he lives and who his family is. We know nothing about his upbringing or his faith. We know nothing of his record of righteousness. Unlike Noah, whom the Bible goes out of its way to tell us to declare righteous, we are, giving, we are given nothing on Abram to go on. Why is God calling him? Why is God reaching out to him? Why is God making this covenant with him? We literally have no idea. But what it does seem is this. Abram and his wife Sarai appear to be the very people that God has decided to use to save the whole world. Abram and Sarai represent the final hope for the world, which is a crazy claim. But allow me to explain. Up until now, Genesis has been dominated by the cycle of disobedience and curses. But God says from the start he intends to bless Abram. He is going to make of Abram a great nation and, to, and bless Abram. And that through Abram, 
all the people of the earth will be blessed. This is an abrupt change in the narrative. No longer will God mete out curses on humanity. Instead, God is declaring he will bless humanity. God will be with us. God will be for us. He will be our God and we will be God's people. God will bring us back through blessing. God will bring us back through grace. God will bring us back through love. All this is because God makes clear that his blessing of Abram is not just limited to Abram himself or to his family. God makes clear that by blessing Abram, God is intending to bless the whole world. God blesses Abram so that Abram will be a blessing. It turns out that this blessing that Abram will become for the world is as the originator of the promise fulfilled in Jesus. And so we see the logic of God's new plan. Blessing goes out into the world. Love goes out into the world. Grace goes out into the world. But it doesn't hit its intended target and stay there. Instead, it creates more love. It creates more grace. It creates more blessing. Like light hitting a crystal, it is reflected and refracted as it spreads out. Now before we go too much further down this road about being blessed in order to be a blessing, we need to back up and look at two equally important details of this story. We find out at the end of this section where Abram was when he got the call from God. A place called Haran. Haran literally means highway or crossroads. The setting for God's call on Abram's life is a crossroads. The imagery is poignant for what it means in the big story of scripture as what it means for God to call all of us. God calls Abram and the call is itself a crossroads. Will Abram say yes? Will Abram follow? Will Abram respond to God's call? Or will he take a different path? Or will he stay right where he is? Lent serves as a crossroads for us. Lent is a season that calls us to look at where we are, to look at our spiritual lives, to really look, and to see where God is calling us to go. Right now our sermon series is called Spring Cleaning, and we want to look at some scripture texts that help us get our souls ready for Easter. This text asks us what we will do at our own crossroads. Last week we talked about the places in our lives that needed to be cleaned. Where do we need to do some work? What things can we do during this season to grow closer to God? This text asks us a simple question. What will we do about it? Lent is a crossroads time. Will we go further? Will we go deeper in our relationship with God? Or will we stay right where we are? Will we take a different path? Will we feel like we are good? We are fine right where we are. Or will we answer God's call to press on, to keep moving forward, to do something? The second detail of our story then is simply the fact that Abram goes. He leaves his father's country and starts heading toward the place that God will show him. He says yes to God. He says yes to God's command. He follows God. That part of the story is fairly essential. It's, it's of the utmost importance. And it's a detail that I hope will cloud the rest of this sermon. 
Abram responded when God met him at a crossroads. What will you do with the crossroads that Lent offers? But let us resume our discussion of God's blessing. Sorry for the nonlinear flow of this sermon. I'm trying to keep you on your toes. The grace in this text, the gospel in this short piece of scripture, is that God's plan to overcome our sin and disobedience is blessing us in order that we will bless others. Or put another way, we are blessed. Our redemption stems from God's blessing of others. I know that that has been true in my life. God has spoken to me. God has reached me through other people. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home with parents and grandparents who took me to church and modeled the Christian life for me. I was blessed to have Sunday school teachers who taught me the stories of Jesus. I was blessed to have a church that gave me a Bible as a child and taught me to read it and understand it. I was blessed to have a Sunday school teacher in third grade who invited me to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I was blessed to have confirmation mentors and teachers who let me be a nerd about the Bible. I was blessed to have a youth leader who let me pray out loud in public, leading my peers and adults. I was blessed to be given opportunities to go on mission trips as a youth where my faith really deepened. I was blessed to be able to speak about my experiences on those trips in big church. Big church was what I called worship. I was blessed to be able to preach to my peers during youth worship times. I was blessed to have adults that took an interest in my faith, took an interest in me, and loved me because I was a child of God. I was blessed to have small group leaders. I was blessed to have families in the church love me like their own child. All of those blessings brought about my faith. All of those blessings brought me to a place where I am living out my faith as an adult. This isn't a story of how I became a pastor. This is a story of how I became a Christian and why I am still a Christian now. Because it wasn't just me. A friend of mine from youth group now teaches at a Christian high school, teaching high school students theology and Christian history. Pray for him. Another friend from youth group is a public school teacher and actively involved in her church. Two friends from youth group work for nonprofits and are actively serving in their local churches. Another friend from youth group came to this church on Christmas Eve because we were all blessed by the same people and felt God's love expressed to all of us. But in reality, that only scratches the surface on the number of people who blessed me. Because for every person that taught Sunday school, for every person that went on a mission trip, for every person that led a small group, for every mentor in my life, for every person that I could see in my life, there were five other people behind that person that I never saw that made all those activities possible. Not only was I blessed by Sunday school teachers, I was blessed by faithful church members whose financial offerings provided for a Sunday school. For every mission trip leader, I was, ble I was blessed by faithful church members whose gifts made those trips possible. We took an old school bus 40 hours to Mexico every year, and it was the best week of my life every year. A group of people I never met gave money so our church could have that bus. Faithful Christians, some of whom probably went to the 830 service that never laughed at my jokes, put money in an offering plate that kept that bus running. 
Every part of my faith journey is buttressed by countless faithful disciples I never met who financially and operationally made meaningful faith experiences, made places where I met God possible. And the common thread behind all of them, the visible saints and the invisible generous saints, is this. God had blessed them. And they, in turn, received God's blessing and decided to bless others. They were blessed by God in order to be a blessing to others. God's blessing hit them, and it permeated out through their church so that my friends and I could feel and receive God's blessing ourselves. But this isn't just a story about a particular church at a particular time that I happen to go to. Because it's true of this church too. This church is a blessing to others. This church helps people encounter God's love and grace. This church ministers to the community. Countless people have come here and encountered Jesus Christ in worship thanks to members of the praise band. Countless people both people who worship here regularly and people who don't connect with God and with others through our small groups. We have a ton of small group leaders who have recognized God's blessing in their lives and have sought to bless others by opening up their homes and hosting small groups. And members of these small groups together see that they are blessed by God and they seek to bless others in the community. Small groups serve at the Hilda Bark Center. Small groups serve at Feed My Sheep. Small groups worked with ACTS and other community organizations. As a church, we try to bless the community and the world through Stop Hunger Now, Operation Turkey, Operation Christmas Child. Our youth are blessed by God and seek to be a blessing by going on mission trips. Our children lead us in mission and service more often than not. Our church has been a blessing to those in our community who need the most help with rent or utility bills through our CAT team. And more than anything else, more than anything else, the people that call Spirit and Life Church home are a blessing unto each other each and every week. And they're a blessing unto everyone that walks into this space. I know that if you think about it, if you take a moment, you can think of a number of people who are sitting here today who have been a blessing in your life. People that God, have, God has blessed and have come to this place and are a blessing to each one of us. But alongside each public ministry we do, alongside every visible way this church it serves as a blessing, there are generous saints who make it all possible. There are people whom God has blessed that seek to bless this church through their generosity. They give to this church and we are able to rent a space for worship. They give to this church and we are able to have a children's ministry. They give to this church and we are able to have a sound system through which God can be glorified in music and God's word can be proclaimed. These generous saints give and enable this church to be a blessing to our community and to our world. How will you take your place within this church and be a blessing to others? If God has blessed you and if this church has blessed you, how will you pass that blessing on? And if you are already serving, if you are already trying to be a blessing to others in this church and this community, how can you go further? While you're thinking about that, let me add one thing to our discussion. 
When God tells Abram that he will bless Abram so that Abram will be a blessing unto the world, God changed the pattern of meeting out sin with curses. But curses didn't go away entirely. What it means for God to bless Abram, and through Abram, through Abram bless the world, what it means for God to relate to us through blessing is that ultimately God will be cursed. By meeting us with grace and love, God is being vulnerable with us. And that vulnerability ultimately leads to the cross. It ultimately leads Jesus to be crucified, unjustly killed at our hands. So as we seek to be a blessing, we must realize and recognize that if God's blessing, that if God blessing us is costly for God, we should expect that our being a blessing to the world will prove costly. And yet, how will you bless others? How will you, through this church, be a blessing unto the world? I said that every sermon in this series would have a bit of homework, a practical response. So this morning, I want to give you one way, a new way, in which you can be a blessing to others. I have special Lenten offering envelopes. Actually, they're regular offering envelopes on which I've written special Lenten offering. Whether today or sometime this month, I want to invite you to make a special Lenten contribution to this church. This would be over and above your regular giving. A special Lenten offering where you can be more of a blessing to the church and to the world. And here is where this special Lenten offering will go. On April 30th, we will be doing Stop a Stop Hunger Now food packaging where we will package thousands of meals to go all over the world. Your special Lenten offering will go to paying for the supplies for that food packaging event so that you can be a blessing to the whole world as God has blessed you. While we think and pray, I'm going to pass out your special Lenten offering envelopes. As they're making their way around, let us pray. God, we come today acknowledging your blessing in our lives. For the people that you have placed in our lives who have loved us. For the people you've placed in our lives that have told us about your love for us. For the people that have told us that we are your beloved children. We thank you. For the people in this church that have been, that have mediated your love and your grace for us, that have been a blessing to us, that have helped us encounter Jesus in this place, we thank you. 
And God, we know that your blessing on our lives is itself a call. That you are calling us someplace, someplace to go, someplace to go deeper, some, some place to go further with you. Open our eyes to that place, God. Open our ears to hear your call. And give us the grace and the strength. Give us the desire to say yes to that call. And to be a blessing unto the whole world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.